What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show. Hi, everybody. It is a big hour ahead here. Apple's product event kicking off right now. It's being called the most significant iPhone event in years. We've got all the breaking details as they happen, plus instant analysis. I look forward to what Apple has to say. BlackRock's Larry Fink says J.P. Morgan's earnings are telling him the economy is strong. Why? And is he right? That's also coming up. And the Nasdaq JV squad, the Disney pivot, the pandemic PC boost, and green shoots in sneaks. Let's start with the markets, and Seema Modi has the latest for us. Seema. Good afternoon, Kelly. Yeah, this four-day rally losing momentum here. Stocks drifting lower. The Dow currently down 102. S&P 500 lower by 13 points. The Nasdaq still holding on to gains of 12 points. Uh, Let's check in on the financials. JP Morgan and Citigroup beating on earnings. The key question facing the big banks is whether they're largely done setting aside money for loan defaults tied to the pandemic. Tomorrow, we hear from Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, and Wells Fargo. We can see financials currently trading lower on the day. Let's take a look at Fastenal, a really interesting industrial player. It reported third quarter earnings this morning. Growth moderated from the second quarter when it saw a surge in sales for safety products, everything from glasses, masks, and gowns, and other protective gear. It's down about 4%, but the stock is still having its best year in a decade, vastly outperforming the industrial sector, as you can see right here. Kelly, back to you. Yeah, we always used to watch that one uh, as a good macro sign, so we'll take it uh, even with today's sell-off. Seema, thank you very much. Let's talk about that Apple product event now. It's kicking off with very high expectations from Wall Street. The stock rallying 10% in the past month and 6% just yesterday. Let's get to Josh Lipton with more for us. Josh? So we expect Kelly Apple to introduce here its first 5G iPhones, and that would include two base models, and so we anticipate at least true pro models as well, all supporting 5G. But what other must-have features will these smartphones offer? We know consumers are always very interested in camera technology and battery life too. And also, of course, how much will these new iPhones actually cost? As we kick off this event, Apple stock not doing much in today's trade. That's not unusual. Bespoke points out investors often sell the news. There have only been four times out of 15 that Apple traded higher on an iPhone announcement day. Now, in addition to new phones, what else could be announced? Well, we know reports indicate that Apple is hard at work on a smaller HomePod, that's its smart speaker, new over-ear headphones. Remember, Apple recently stopped selling audio products from Sonos and Bose, perhaps suggesting that new Apple rival products are on the way. And maybe we'll even see those long-rumored AirTags. Those are trackers that would allow you to locate physical items like your bag or wallet. Kelly, back to you. All right, Josh, we will check back in with you very soon, sir. In the meantime, how much of a game changer will this new iPhone lineup be? And will 5G pay off for Apple investors? Joining me are Casey Newton. He's editor of Platformer. And Ed Lee is corporate media reporter at The New York Times and a CNBC contributor. Welcome to both of you. Casey, I'll start with you. I mean, I'm already looking at leaked 
photos of what we can expect here. Uh, the main thing that I see are different colors, but obviously there's going to be a lot more to it. Um, what's the, what's the, your biggest expectation? I mean, I'm a little surprised they're hanging so much on 5G, which is going to have very little relevance for, for the broad consumer for a long time, right? Well, that's exactly right. All of us have been trapped in our house for seven months. There's a pandemic, there's a recession, and Apple's come along to say, hey, the battery lasts a little bit longer in the new one, and maybe someday when you leave your house, you'll be able to you know, download YouTube videos faster. From what we've seen so far, I think this is a really <laughs> weak pitch. I think this is probably like the least impressive uh, iPhone that we have seen to date in terms of uh, expected improvements over the previous generation. All right, now we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, Casey. The thing has barely even started. And let me bring you in don't, don't um, ever, with a little bit of... Don't ever disagree with Casey. He's absolutely right about it. <laughs> um, I, I agree. I think 5G is one of those things where it's still it's a platform in search of applications, right? Like, it, it, yes, everything will be faster, but people don't complain about speed on their phones, even when they are outside, right? It's going to be battery life. Which, yes, that, that I think is it may be slightly improved in, in this case, but it's really price, right? Apple phone, iPhones are expensive, right? Even this supposed, the, the mini one, the so-called mini, the smaller form factor that's going to come out that's supposed to be the slightly cheaper one, whatever it is, seven, eight hundred, $800 is still pretty expensive. And I think if Apple is really trying to find its way around the world, I think India, and it's something I pointed to before, is sort of a market they're still haven't really, really fully tapped into China is a great place for them, but, you know, we see sort of the overhang yeah. there, you know, with WeChat ban, that, that could have made things more difficult for them. Price is going to be a factor in India and everywhere else around the world. I don't see them really working on that. I think, you know, we're, we're always ultimately leasing iPhones, right? If we're always upgrading, we're just really leasing them on a month-to-month basis. They should just make that more official and sort of lower the price of the phone to make it more easily adoptable for, for more people around the world. That, that's, I think, what they have, haven't yet haven't well, tackled. It- and we know, I mean, listen, the biggest selling iPhone of all time was the iPhone 6. It's jokingly called the Toyota Camry. We know that as they've sold fewer and fewer phones with each upgrade cycle, they sell them at a higher price. I mean, that's how the financials work. That's why it's a good stock. Casey, I wanted to quickly play a little game with you called what model iPhone do I have? Because I honestly don't know. And I bought it myself. It's not like this is a, a, a handout from work. I mean, I think I have the eight. How would I know if I do? And my, my broader point is... What are the differentiating factors that are really important to consumers these days? Because it could be an 8, it could be a 10. I don't think it's a 7, but like I said, I'm really not sure. I think it's a great point. You know, the iPhone is a mature platform, and Apple deserves credit for building a really incredible device, right? But it has gotten to a point where it is just harder to make it that much better year after year. For the past... Five or six years, we could typically count on a better camera and better battery life. I think those are the two things that probably drove more sales than anything else, aside from, you know, maybe the form factor. Some people wanted a slightly bigger phone. Um, But we're at a point now where battery life is pretty good, and also a lot of people are never leaving their houses, so battery life just isn't as important as it was anymore. And, you know, the camera is also really, really good. And so that's why, you know, a lot of folks, myself included, might have to sort of check the back of their phone to even figure out which one they have. And I think it's going to make it that much harder for Apple to sell this next generation. Yeah, the back doesn't even say. I'm looking at it right now, but I only have one camera. So I, <laughs> I, I want that portrait mode. I mean, that's like the motivating factor. Um, but, Ed, yeah. let me ask you about the stock performance yesterday. It was up 6%. Yeah. And listen, I'm not downplaying 5G. It is absolutely going to change the world, just like the mobile phone did, just like the Internet did. 
But these things take time. And I just wonder what that run up tells you about how high investor expectations are and what we're expecting Apple to pull off here. So you point out, you make a a great point here. I think, you know, if we're looking at how the market's been going, tech stocks have been driving at Apple, clearly a big part of that, both on indexes and just sort of what people's portfolios look like. I mean, if you think about it, relative to, say, Google or or Amazon, they're actually, those stocks actually perform much better on a, a, you know, forward multiple basis. I think Apple is still underpriced in that sense. So, yes, I think there's more room to run if you're an investor, even if this isn't such a spectacular update, as as Casey uh, well points out. What I do think, however, what these other companies do have that Apple doesn't have is, you know, they've got this great cloud business. It's B2B, yes, but it's sort of one of these big recurring revenue things. Closest thing Apple has to that is services. But services, it's like 67% margins, right? So I, I, I want to see them yeah. run more deeper on that side of the business. I don't really see them doing that just yet, even though they've made these incremental changes. I think to get that multiple higher, I think we want to see more of that happening as opposed to just, yeah. you know, slightly better form factors and, and things like that. It's a great point. I mean, in a way, investors want to see Apple have events that look more like upfronts. Hey, here's our great lineup for the fall, and here's why everybody should you know, be an Apple One member or whatever. The event has started. Some headlines are crossing. Uh, Casey, I want to ask you about real quickly, just about a new smart speaker, a HomePod mini. And in the fact that this Apple uh, phone event is happening on the same day as Amazon's Prime Day, and I would argue the latter has a lot more buzz right now. Yeah, look, people love getting deals. And if you go to Amazon right now, you might get something really interesting for cheap. And if you go to Apple.com right now, you're going to get something that looks a lot like last year's model, and it's going to be really expensive. So I think, you know, during the heights of a really severe recession, uh, a lot more eyeballs are probably going to be on Amazon.com today uh, than, than maybe over on Apple. Ed, give you the final word on that. (laughs) <laughs> well, I appreciate getting the final word. I agree with Casey. I think Amazon right now is sort of you know a, a higher flying business in terms, of, especially under pandemic times. I do think Apple has a lot more room to run. I, I want to see more on their services, as I said before. Um, and I think the phones themselves, as you pointed out, like what kind of phone do I have? I mean, there's already plenty of technology that users aren't really tapping into. So you're buying $1,000 worth of phone. You're only using $200 worth of de- technology. I think that's something they have yet to figure out. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I'm charging it for too long because I charge it overnight. It probably needs to charge for a few hours. I mean, I, I don't know. So I don't think a little bit longer battery life is going to make that much of a difference. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. We'll let you go for now. Casey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Ed, we'll keep you around and we'll check back in with Josh as we get more headlines from this event. Uh, in the meantime, let's just dig a little bit on these markets today because earnings season is kicking off in the meantime. We've got the big banks this morning. They're showing some encouraging strength, at least according to BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. Here's what he said on Squawk Box today. I think J.P. Morgan's announcements today related to the reserves is a really great indication of the underlying strength that is beginning to occur in our economy. Think also observing that typical investor is still on the sidelines, so markets could see more money put to work in the coming months, which would boost stocks. For more on this, I'm joined by Mark Smith. He's vice president of the Connor Smith Wealth Management Group at UBS. And Sandy Villery is partner and portfolio manager of Villery & Company. Uh, Mark, let me just start with you. Uh, again, you know, people like to beat up on the big banks, but in terms of what that's telling us about the economy, are you encouraged by what you're hearing this morning? I think uh, we should all be encouraged by what we're hearing from the big banks because you're seeing that folks are paying their their bills for the most part. Uh, Credit cards are getting paid. Businesses uh, that are making money are paying back their loans. And so that's good for the overall economy that 
people aren't going bankrupt uh, as much as we thought they were. Uh, but we're seeing, and I'm telling my clients, they're asking me, you know, where is the opportunity if, I, if I've been sitting on the sidelines like you just alluded to? And we really think that's in the industrials and the materials. Uh, they've lagged the market, and we're seeing that there's a big pickup in spending from China. Uh, we're seeing that there are not a lot of existing homes, not a lot of new homes out there. So industrials and materials historically have done uh, very well coming out of a recession. But I think with all this pent-up demand and folks buying and not having any inventory, I think those two sectors are going to be uh, great plays outside of uh, tech, which has kind of ruled the day since uh, April. Yeah. Sandy Tech has ruled the day. Uh, Apple in particular is like 14 percent of the Nasdaq 100 right now. Uh, but it looks like we're off to fourth quarter with it continuing to perform like it has all year. What stops that at this point? Does anything? Yeah, I mean, I, we're trying to avoid some of those larger cap uh, tech bellwethers, sort of the FANG stocks in general. Um, they've had quite a run, and we're trying to find pockets of value and more smaller cap. If you look at the just the, the Vanguard growth versus value, it, it's almost a 40% disparity. There's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of pockets of value, and typically small caps outperform coming out of a recession, and that's where we want to be. I think there's just, um, you look year to date, S&P's up 9%, Russell 2000 still down 2 I think there's plenty of opportunity in smaller cap and value names. Give me a couple of them real quickly, Sandy. Sure. I, I like Ligand Pharmaceuticals. It's one of these. It's um, They sell a drug delivery technology called Captasol, which they're currently selling to uh, Gilead for their remdesivir uh, uh, COVID treatment. Really like that one. I think it's going to work out well. This The, the Captasol itself is going to add $3 to earnings. Stock trades at 12 times earnings. Very cheap. I like Caesars. Um, this is a play on uh, the economy, not only reopening, but also uh, online gambling mm-hmm. happening. And they're going to absolutely dominate that particular industry with their William Hill acquisition. And I like eHealth. Um, they're going to help uh, seniors get Medicare insurance online as easy as you can buy a, a plane ticket on Travelocity. So I like those names a lot. And I think they've been um, <laughs> uh, beaten up a little bit too unfairly. And um, that's where I would be. All right. And Mark, back to you. Again, some recommendations here. And would they include... Uh, you know, big tech, would they include 5G thematic picks or, or that kind of thing? Well, the problem with tech right now is that you, we saw last week that there's bipartisan uh, support that big tech is, is just too big. And so that should give everyone pause when thinking whether I should put more dollars into the five or six names that we've all been seeing have this huge upside over the last you know, nine months. So and if you saw back in 98 with Microsoft and what happened with Bill Gates when he went to Capitol Hill a year or two later, they broke up Microsoft into two separate companies. I think that the, the mega cap tech companies should be very wary about what could happen um, with either uh, with either a Democrat or Republican walking in in January um, into the White House. All right. Thank you both, guys. Appreciate it. Mark Smith, Sandy Villery on these markets with a couple of investment ideas. Let's get back to Josh Lipton now, who's got some breaking details from the Apple product event. Josh? Yeah, so Kelly, Tim Cook is starting this event with products for the home, and he's emphasizing they should work seamlessly, he says, and protect your privacy. Begins with HomePod. That's the smart speaker that Apple started uh, selling a couple of years ago. Apple now introducing a smaller version of HomePod called HomePod Mini, a smaller version of that speaker, deeply integrated with the iPhone. It's going to cost $99, they say, and start shipping November 16th. Apple hoping this device uh, compete, helps them compete more effectively in that smart speaker uh, market, which we know, of course, is dominated right now by Amazon and also Google, uh, which does have significant share as well. Now they are turning to the iPhone. We'll bring you those headlines as we get them, Kelly. 
Josh, it's interesting that they're starting this big product event on the HomePod. I mean, that's pretty significant. Does that tell you about where Apple is really staking its future? Um, no, I don't, I'm not so sure. I mean, usually, Kelly, Apple does sort of ramp up um, ramp up the surprise, the excitement uh, of the show. So I'm not too surprised they started here, um, that they started with the home product. Listen, this product, investors don't look at it and think it's some big material financial uh, mover for Apple. They do know Apple, like every other tech company, is trying to move harder into your home. And like I said, I think Apple's trying to compete more effectively in smart speakers. But now they're ramping up and Cook taking the stage here virtually, of course, and starts talking about the star of the show, which is going to be those new iPhones. All right, we will sneak in a quick break and come back to you for that. Josh, thank you very much. Coming up, we'll also hit uh, 2016. If it taught investors anything, it's that predictions can be very, very wrong. Have we learned our lessons? We'll dig into that. Plus, capitalizing on the tech craze. We've got the details on the new NASDAQ 100 Junior Index and some of its non-tech members. And we'll keep monitoring the big Apple event as Cook just announced that 5G is coming to the iPhone. Shares are down about 1% after a monster day yesterday. We're back in two. This is The Exchange on CNBC. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back. Uh, Apple has just announced it is bringing 5G to its iPhones and that to do so it is partnering with Verizon. As we understand it, uh, Verizon is the one on stage speaking right now. As soon as we get more details, we'll bring them to you. In the meantime, as the election approaches, we're getting more and more predictions about how the market will react to each possible outcome. But if 2016 taught us anything, it's that no one has a crystal ball. Steve Leesman has more for us. Steve? Kelly, thanks. Based on how it's trading now, the stock market looks to be at ease with a Biden victory, even a clean Democratic sweep. But we've been here before and it was the wrong take in 2016. Show you why the S&P has re risen in recent weeks, along with the value of a contract predicting a Democratic clean sweep as markets appear to be more comfortable with Democratic control. But predicting how the market will react after the election based on how it trades before, well, that worked out really badly in 2016. Here's some of the headlines that were out there. A CNBC story citing a forecast by Wedbush. It looked for a 50% crash in stocks if President Trump won. Barron's quoting four money managers and predicted a swift sell-off. A careful academic study by two well-regarded economists estimated a 10 to 15% sell-off in global stocks. They were all actually correct. For about three hours, stocks crashed overnight during the election and rallied for the next 14 months during the Trump presidency. Experts, it turned out, if you read the articles, underestimated the ability of the market to prosper with tax cuts and deregulation, but also amid policy chaos and a trade war. So here's where the betting is this time around for political outcomes. 66 cents contract will pay you a dollar if Democrats win the presidency, 38 cents for the Republican Senate, 62 cents Republican. You can see the... Uh, clean sweep there built in to the market thinking. Markets, though, have to factor in which combination of political control will best control the pandemic 
and provide the stimulus the market thinks is needed, issues that appear to transcend the regular checklist of taxes, deficits, and overall economic growth. But Kelly, the thinking has been wrong before, and the market has changed its mind, of course, about what matters and when. Plus, this seems like it could be chaos. I mean, I would love there to just be an outcome, Steve, but uncertainty is a, a big possibility. I know people are trying to make forecasts about that, too, but it just seems especially tricky this year. Yeah, our uh, uh, separate CNBC Fed survey a couple of weeks ago with the Fed meeting uh, found that uh, all most respondents think the issue of the outcome is a major factor for the stock market that could lead to uncertainty as well. I think as the numbers have moved more solidly in Biden's camp, the concern about that outcome has diminished. But, you know, who knows if these polls are right here? I know. All right, Steve. Thank you, sir. Steve Leesman. Still ahead, we'll My check pleasure. on shares of Johnson & Johnson, which are lower after the company announced it's pausing clinical trials for their COVID-19 vaccine. We'll have more on why and what's next with the shares down a little more than 2%. And of course, we are monitoring Apple's launch event to bring you the very latest announcements as we get them. So far, it's a HomePod and not much detail yet on the 5G iPhone, uh, but we'll get it. And then we'll have Wall Street's reaction coming up on what it all means for investors. Stay with us. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Let's get right over to Josh Lipton with more from the Apple product event. Josh? So, Kelly, Tim Cook on stage here talking about those new iPhones, and they are 5G-enabled. Interestingly, he was joined there on stage by the CEO of Verizon, uh, who said 5G, in his words, just got real with the introduction of, of these new 5G iPhones. Uh, they are talking about right now the first iPhone model here. They're calling it iPhone 12 with 5G, all new design, they say, a smooth, flat edges, 6.1-inch display, 11% thinner, 16% lighter, so thinner and lighter there. Don't have a price or availability yet on that model. Interesting, they're, they're focusing here on 5G. That transition from 4G to 5G is complex. It's challenging. Some analysts will say it's been bumpy. They'll say, at least here in the U.S. right now, it's spotty. But they say um, it is happening, and the question is, does the 5G iPhone, which of course is going to attract so much attention and so much headlines, could that act as a kind of um, accelerant, sort of as a catalyst to really push this technology into the mainstream? We'll find out. Going to keep listening here, Kelly, and bring you more headlines on these new iPhones. Okay, Josh, we appreciate it. Let's bring Ed Lee back uh, now with some reaction. Ed, I wanted to specifically ask you about Verizon's piece of this announcement. I mean, 
They're playing this up in a very big way. Verizon's saying, we are turning on our nationwide 5G network today. This gets right to the issue that we've all been discussing, which is what happens if 5G is there, but most people can't access it. But the 5G that they're talking about isn't quote unquote real 5G. Is it still going to be enough of a speed upgrade that it matters I think uh, I think having Hans Vesberg on there was a pretty significant move in that it's both Apple and Verizon saying, hey, this 5G thing isn't vaporware like you've been hearing about. It's a real thing here today. Again, the applications have yet to really exist. Uh, Hans talked about, you know, using certain technologies around, you know, say football games, football stadiums where, you know, you could sort of see things either through augmented reality or perspectives from different cameras on the field. That's a neat thing. But again, what was clear to me, is, despite his presence, what they're really saying is like, hey, yes, this thing is here. We still need the applications that will sort of feed into it. Right. So I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from that. I also think at the top of the the, the whole thing, when they started with the, the new uh, HomePod, the ninety nine dollars, that actually really struck me. That's a pretty cheap price. I mean, for, for an Apple product, I think that's one of the, the, the cheaper things that they put out there. And I think clearly, yeah. you know, for pandemic times as well. It's a great point, Ed, although at the same time, they've practically been giving away the Amazon devices. I mean, and today's right. a great example of that. Apple doesn't really have a choice if it wants to compete here, does it? Right. Amazon clearly set the price for that in terms of what you know a home device should, should cost and what it could do. I mean, I think with Amazon, you know, a big part of their push is, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a great way for you to sort of reorder stuff that's already in your queue. With Apple, it's like, I don't know what you're using. I mean, is it listening to music? Yes, that's great. Uh, beyond that and listening to... To, to music and what time is it, that kind of thing is, is, is an aspect. But again, it's, I think it's more the price. And I think they're following Amazon uh, yeah. on that lead. And then with the phone, with the 12 now, with OLED display and 5G, you know, they're ultimately following Samsung, right? Again, it's going to come down to the software. What, what are the applications for this? We have yet to see that. All right. Well, Verizon shares have almost turned positive on the session. As you point out, it was a pretty big deal for the CEO to be there. Uh, meanwhile, Apple shares are near session lows. They're down almost 2%. And Ed, we'll check back in with you soon. Thank you, sir. Let's get to Sue Herrera for our CNBC News update. Sue? Thanks so much, Kelly. Here's what's happening at this hour, everyone. Facebook will ban all ads that discourage people from getting vaccines, but will still allow ads that are for or against vaccine legislation. You can go to CNBC.com for details on how the company is also trying to encourage people to get the seasonal flu vaccine. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is reportedly telling House Democrats she will not accept the latest GOP stimulus proposal, saying, quote, we can't get an agreement just by folding, end quote. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said today that his chamber will vote on a relief bill that's much smaller than what Pelosi wants. In a statement posted on Twitter, Republican Senator Mitt Romney says he is troubled that American politics have moved from spirited debate to what he calls, quote, a vile, vituperative, hate-filled morass, end quote. He mostly blames President Trump, but says Democrats are also culpable and calls on all leaders to, quote, lower the heat. There's a lot in that tweet. Kelly, you're up to date. Back to you. Yep. Calls out Pelosi and Olbermann, too. Uh, like you said, they're yep. packing it all in. Sue, thank you, mm -hmm. Sue Herrera. Let's get a quick check on broader markets for you. Uh, the sector, or I'm sorry, the averages overall are kind of here looking with the Dow down at 102 points, a third of 1%. The S&P, the same amount, but the Nasdaq is positive by 14. So it's a pretty mixed bag today. In terms of sectors, communication services, 
consumer discretionary. Those are your leaders and pretty much every other sector is lower right now. Utilities are actually the worst performer on the session today. Let's take a look at a couple of names that are on the move right now on the back of Apple's big product announcements this hour. Sonos is shooting higher because it will be used in the new HomePod. Sonos up 4%, just under 15 bucks today. And Verizon uh, almost turning positive well off the lows after its 5G announcement with Apple uh, down only about a quarter of a percent right now. And Corning is also shooting higher on the announcement that it will be a partner on the iPhone 12 for what they are calling the ceramic shield. Uh, reminds me of my curling iron. Uh, but anyway, cur- uh, Corning is now up by three quarters of one percent. Also, shares of Johnson & Johnson are down today despite beating on earnings. This after it had to pause its COVID vaccine trial. Our Meg Terrell is here with the very latest for us. Meg? Hi, Kelly. Well, that news coming out last night really overshadowing what many see as a very positive quarter for J&J. The company says it's temporarily paused dosing in all of its COVID-19 vaccine trials after what they call an unexplained illness uh, in the study. Now, they are reviewing that illness right now. And at this point to us, it's unclear if the participant was even on the vaccine or if they were on placebo. Uh, Experts saying this is exactly what should happen in these situations. This is a large trial that will uh, enroll eventually 60,000 and participants. And so these things do come up. And the right thing to do is to pause, take a look, figure out what's going on. We talked with J&J's CFO this morning about what they know so far. Here's what he told us. It was about 36 hours ago that we were advised by one of the sites uh, that there was the adverse event. We're letting the independent uh, drug safety monitoring board do all their analysis, and we should hopefully have an answer and a, a proper direction going forward in short order. So, Kelly, he told us, you know, it could resume within a few days. It depends on what they find, uh, what happens next, Kelly. Yeah, we're all hoping that between them and AstraZeneca, there's not something that's going to be a bigger setback here. Um, but still, Pfizer, the one leading the way. Meg, thank you very much. Meg Terrell, the latest on J&J's vaccine efforts. Coming up, Disney pivoting to streaming. The pandemic PC boom continues. And apparently Foot Locker is off to the races this holiday season. That and more is coming up in rapid fire. And of course, let's check on shares of Apple, the company's product event underway this hour. Uh, they've already announced the iPhone 12. They said it will have 5G. Uh, Verizon is the partner for that Verizon saying it will offer nationwide 5G today. Apple shares still near the lows of the session, down 1.6%. We're back in a couple. Welcome back. Let's catch you up on a couple other stories that should be on your radar today. It is time for Rapid Fire, and joining me are Seema Modi, John Ford, and Julia Borson. It's great to have everybody here. And we're going to start with Disney shares higher today after the company announced a massive restructuring. Disney will centralize its media business into a single organization and emphasize streaming. According to the CEO, this move shouldn't come as a surprise. COVID accelerated the rate at which we made this transition, but this transition was going to happen anyway. Loop Capital upgrading Disney to a buy after this move and hiking its price target. The shares are up almost 4% today. The stock now only down about 10% this year. Um, Julie, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about this today, but uh, it just seems obvious, right? Like, is, is this controversial with anybody? What, why shouldn't they make a move like this? 
Well, look, what's really interesting about this move, Kelly, is they're splitting up the content side of the business from the distribution side of the business. These are two things that are usually integrated, usually combined. And now you're going to have one person make the decisions about where that content should be going, whether you should have a movie go to theaters or to Disney Plus. So that's designed to really circumvent um, any confusion or any any concerns that maybe they aren't prioritizing the most profitable way of distribution. And I think what's going to really happen, Kelly, is we're going to see a lot more content go to Disney Plus, Hulu and ESPN Plus. Yep. Yep. John, is that a, a good thing? I mean, that that is inevitable. It doesn't come as a coincidence that AMC today is talking about when it's literally going to run out of cash. I, I mean, the, what's going to happen to movie theaters is a huge problem. That's a lot of real estate, a lot of tax revenue. I, but it's obvious the future, at least to me, that the future is streaming, right? Well, I know, Kelly, we, we've been covering business for a long time, and I always get wary whenever something seems too obvious. And Julia and I were going back and forth texting about this earlier. <laughs> I think this has got to create some political dynamics inside Disney. There are probably going to be some people in content creation who want their content, their movie, their TV show to end up one place and it ends up another. What does that do inside the company? Also, yes, movies are down right now, movie theaters, but they're probably not out. Disney just had such a lock on movie theaters leading up to this. I wonder if this opens up a possibility for somebody True. else to step in there uh, if Disney kind of shifts its attention. No, that's a great point. They were like 40% of the box office or something. I mean, we were starting to talk about monopoly concerns, and that was definitely the pre-COVID world. Um, here's another sign of it, that lockdowns, work from home, and remote learning, all of that is fueling the biggest demand for PCs in more than a decade. Global PC shipments were up 15% in Q3, the biggest year-in-year -year jump since 2010. And the comeback has helped some tech names in particular. Apple's up 66%, Microsoft's up 41%, and Dell is up 37%, Seema. Yeah, well, the pandemic has forced everyone to work, study, learn from home. So that's accelerated the need for these PCs. I also think in the past, some households would have seen more than one laptop as a luxury. But now it's sort of seen as essential in order to get work done, to be productive and to ensure that your kids are getting an education. I wonder if this will also uh, help Apple, this mindset, the shift in mindset. Does that also mean consumers are more willing to spend money on devices and Apple iPhones? Or is it that they've already kind of allocated their tech dollars to these PCs? That's a great point. John, it's also interesting to look at how much of this demand was Chromebooks. There's a, a big special Amazons running on Chromebooks today. They're practically giving these things away. So for Google, this uh, clearly is not even a notable item on the balance sheet, but it must help that it drives their ecosystem of other Google services. Maybe a bit, Kelly. Anecdotally, though, my kids hate Chromebooks because they, a lot of them, most of them, aren't that powerful. <laughs> I hate them, too. Part of, part, of what this, part of what this is doing is driving people toward the premium. I, I don't know. I just got another text today saying that another webcam on one of our laptops is on the on the fritz you absolutely need these things to work at the highest level which is why i think even you know increasingly this holiday season still going to be about pcs when there are deals because like Seema was saying one is not enough interesting i mean the laptop does it's, it's more expensive than a chromebook but like i said i got this one at costco for like five six hundred bucks the thing works great all right, let's move on and talk about some sneakers because shares of Foot Locker are higher after a double upgrade at Bank of America today. They're raising shares to a buy from underperform, taking the price target to $30. 
uh, or I'm sorry, from 30 to 50. And they're saying that strong sales of Nike products and back to school are helping and should help Foot Locker carry momentum through the holiday shopping season. Its research also showed, and this to me is the most interesting part, guys, credit and debit card spending in the malls is on the rise. So, Julia, consumers apparently are ready to shell out for a new pair of sneakers. And is that a good sign uh, that the whole kind of economy is getting, you know, some traction here, especially at the mall, which is one of the toughest parts? Yeah, well, certainly good to see a bright spot in retail. But Kelly, I'm wondering how much of this is a pull forward. We've talked so much about how people are wearing leisure wear at home. They don't have to wear dress shoes to, fit to formal meetings in the office. They're all hanging out in their sweatpants and sneakers. So I wonder whether this is a pull forward from what we might have seen later in the year, or this is really part of a long-term trend, um, though certainly good to see a bright spot in retail, especially considering that most people still haven't gone back to the mall in the way they used to. Yeah, Seema, what would you make of it? Well, Nike has been consolidating its distribution channels. It ended that partnership with Amazon, Kelly. So I'm wondering over the long term if they continue to double down on their direct-to-consumer uh, channel strategy, if that over time alienates this, uh, this sort of footlocker uh, effect that we're seeing right now. We talk about the Apple ecosystem, John. It seems like there's a Nike ecosystem now, this halo effect for the ancillary suppliers that are sort of working in this uh, Nike ecosystem, and footlocker is benefiting. Yeah, true. I mean, I wonder, you know, credit and debit cards at malls are up from what base? I mean, were they going to go down much more? At least it's up. It, you know, when you can only go in one direction, <laughs> we'll take it. Better than a flatlining. Uh, maybe that's just me. All right, finally, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. ETF giant Invesco is today launching a junior varsity version of its successful NASDAQ 100 ETF. The QQQs, everybody knows the triple Qs. Well, this next-gen fund will consist of 100 mid-cap companies and trade under the ticker QQQJ for junior. Invesco says it's loaded with firms using technology to disrupt their sector. The names also include Seagate, Garmin, Lyft, and even Zynga. John Ford is... QQQJ going to be a thing? Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't love watching a JV team? Uh, but, but seriously, it's, it's in a way <laughs> not so much like JV or minor leagues, but big tech has had such a run and the valuations are so high. I think investors are getting the message, certainly from us, that it's worth looking at some of those lesser known stocks. So here's an easy way in an era of ETFs, of funds for investors to just kind of pile in there. Not to say it's safe, but I think it'll be popular. Seema, quick last word. I was just looking at Bob Pisani's story. He's really got a great synopsis of the Triple Q, founded in 1999, now the fifth largest ETF, $135 billion in assets under management. And to John's point, this consumer tech certainly taking off. Uh, so these names like Lyft and Garmin that are in this new ETF, uh, that might also appeal to a younger audience, as we've been discussing. Yeah, and everyone's been saying how they want to look outside the obvious winners, you know, for investment ideas this year, and Invesco's trying to deliver on that. Guys, thanks. Our easy, breezy, beautiful edition of Rapid Fire today, John Ford, Julia Borston, Seema Modi, we really appreciate it. After this quick break, we'll check back in on Apple as it unveils new iPhones. We'll have the latest from the event and talk about what the new products mean for the bottom line. And coming up on Power Lunch, don't miss an interview with Verizon CEO Hans Vestberg. He was just on stage to talk about their partnership with Apple on these new 5G phones. Again, that's coming up next hour around 2.30 p.m. in Power Lunch. Stay with us. Let's get right back to Josh Lipton, who has more from the Apple product event. Josh. 
So Kelly, uh, they just introduced here what they're calling the iPhone 12 mini. So this is a 5.4 inch display. So you're getting the latest and greatest Apple technology basically, but in a much more compact size. All the same features of the bigger iPhone 12, uh, but this is Apple says the smallest, thinnest, lightest 5G phone in the world. As for those features in the mini and the base 12, that would include the A14 Bionic chip. That's the primary brain of this computer. Uh, they say that should mean a real boost in performance for users. Also a new upgraded camera system, a big improvement they say in low light performance, new features using machine learning uh, to bring out more details. Bottom line, greater sharpness and clarity. Why is that important? Because if you look at surveys, when consumers are looking to upgrade to smartphones, certainly the camera is a big reason. They want better photos and better video. And they just offered pricing as well. The iPhone 12 mini is going to start at $699 and $799 for the 12. We're going to keep listening to these, see if more iPhone models are on the way. If they are, of course, bring you those headlines as well, Kelly. Yeah, I'm curious if the mini is the same size as what I realize is the iPhone 8 that I have now, uh, the way these phones have gone. Josh, a quick question on this wireless charging. I don't fully understand it. Is the phone, does, how does the phone charge now? So now that they did introduce that, among the features with the iPhone 12, they are talking about this wireless charging system. They call it MagSafe. What it looks to be here, Kelly, is sort of a case um, that kind of snaps on with magnets to the back of the phone. Again, they're responding to what consumers want. You look at when people ask consumers, what are you hoping for for the phone? It's, it's interesting. We're talking a lot about 5G, but when you really ask people what they want, Faster speeds isn't necessarily top of mind. It is, though, features like so far what Apple is really highlight, highlighting and emphasizing here. It's things like um, a camera system. They want wireless charging. Another big one people often ask for, longer battery life. Haven't heard that yet, but I'll keep listening. All right, and that makes sense. So it's, you know, it's not like it ch literally charges wirelessly. You have to put a case or something on it. It's just not plugging it in. Um, Josh, thank you, sir. Josh Lipton uh, with the very, very latest for us. Let's talk a little bit more about what this all will mean for, app for Apple shareholders. Will the new 5G phone lift the stock even higher? It's up 66% so far this year. Angelo Zeno joins me now. He's senior equity analyst at CFRA. Angelo, what's the most important part of today's event in terms of the future valuation? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, clearly, as far as this event is concerned, it's all about 5G. Um, the fact that they did announce it, I mean, was widely expected, of course. Um, we did see kind of the announcement on the, the two lower priced phones thus far. Um, I think pricing was going to be key as well. They did keep the pricing at $699 at the low end of it with the mini, um, $799 in terms of the iPhone 12. Um, I think that's those are all, you know, very big positives in terms of the you know, the potential to kind of stimulate demand here as we kind of go into this, um, you know, initial 5G cycle. Um, that being said, we don't necessarily believe that 5G is the key for the long-term performance of the company, but clearly over the next kind of 18 to 24 months here, um, you know, 5G, you know, the, the fact that we're going to see a stabilization and, and potentially improvement in that replacement cycle on the smartphone side of things, definitely a great thing for investors um, and a lot to be excited about. So, Angelo, looking through your notes here, you have a 12-month price target of $145, and you're talking about the promise of 5G for shareholders. Um, I mean, so tell me about that price target. How much of that is them literally selling more of this iPhone 12, which there's a whole smattering of models for people to pick from now? 
you know, how much of that $145 price target is going to be services and what they're able to do with gross margins on the service side and how important their slate of TV shows is. I mean, what kind of weigh that against the importance of an announcement like today's? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we kind of look at our target price, $145. It's based on about a 35 multiple to our 2022 estimate. Um, when we kind of look at the 5G cycle here, you know, we're looking for about 9% growth in terms of the unit side of things um, into 2021. Um, and then you're looking at an ASP increase of about 6 to 8% on, on, you know, favorable mix on that side of things. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, when we kind of look at the growth trajectory of the company here over the next two years, um, you know, what has hindered the company actually over the last two years has been um, that, uh, you know, the, the iPhone cycle as well as kind of, you know, we had kind of started in this iPhone 11 cycle, had looked great. Um, and then, of course, you know, COVID hit and it kind of, you know, took some of the, the mojo out of that iPhone 11 cycle with so many people on the sidelines here over the last two years. You know, and the fact that replacement cycles have kind of, you know, gravitated more towards, you know, closer to four years. This is a cycle here over the yeah. next two years where you're going to get, you know, a lot of individuals that are going to want to upgrade on the 5G side of things. So as far as that's concerned, we think it's a big part of our recommendation. But more so, it is that services side of things. As long as they can grow 15 to 20 percent here on an annual size basis mm -hmm. over the next two to three years, um, our view is, um, that's the real story for Apple and investors over time. All right. Angelo, we appreciate your time today. Thank you, sir. Angelo Zeno with CFRA Research. As Apple shares hit session lows, are down a little more than 2%, giving up about a third of yesterday's gains. Up next, it was another brutal quarter for Delta. Don't let that get lost in the mix. The airline has lost more than $11 billion over the past six months. We're going to hear from CEO Ed Bastian about its recovery right after this short break. Stay with us. Welcome back. As we get into earnings season, shares of Delta are falling today after a brutal third quarter as the pandemic takes its toll. We're down about 2% in the session. And Phil Lebeau spoke with Delta CEO Ed Bastian. He has those highlights for us. Phil? Kelly, when you take a look at shares of Delta, keep in mind that the stock is a little bit under pressure today, in part because the returns, the loss, was greater than expected, a loss of $3.30 a share, a little worse than analysts were expecting, with revenue dropping 79%. But the focus right now is on the daily cash burn. Look at where they were in Q2, burning through $43 million a day, brought it down to $24 million in the third quarter, and last month down to $18 million. Here's CEO Ed Bastian talking about how he sees getting to cash burn zero sometime in the next six months. For December month, we expect our cash burn to get down to about $10 million a day, which is about the pace we see in the fourth quarter, 10 to 12 million. And we have real good line of sight to getting to cash flow break even and cash flow positive in the spring. As you take a look at shares of Delta over the last three months, keep in mind that this is all about liquidity and debt. And right now, they've got a little over $21 billion in liquidity. That's what they had at the end of the third quarter. And adjusted net debt of just about $17 billion. Bottom line is this, Kelly. The next five months are going to be tough, not just for Delta, but for all airlines. It's about bringing down that daily cash burn as much as possible to get to zero. Yeah. 
to get to zero. Uh, Phil, thank you so much. We appreciate it, sir. Phil LeBeau uh, talking to Delta. Those shares down about 2%. Uh, same goes for Apple right now, pretty much near session lows. And we're going to continue to monitor that for you. We're also going to speak with uh, Verizon CEO Hans Vestberg coming up on Power Lunch. They're partnering with Apple for this big nationwide 5G rollout. I'll see you on Power Lunch with Tyler Matheson right after this quick break. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.